0: Jesus, we praise you, the King of Kings, despite fire alarms going off. It's heaven declaring your glory. And we praise you today, God, as the King of Kings, as the name above all names, as the one who saved us when we were still your enemy, when we didn't even know who Jesus was, you already loved us. And that's why we are thankful today, God, to have the privilege of standing in the presence of the living God. And I pray that you would just fill this place this morning. I pray that that you would bring calmness to this place, despite the loud sirens. And I pray that you would speak to each one of us so that we can walk out of this place differently than we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, so that's a bit of fire alarm action. Um, Church is never supposed to be boring. And we you you may have your seats. We like to mix things up, and one of those things is we like to throw in a fire alarm every now and again to just make sure if you're still awake. I saw some people dozing off, so we're like, let's let's get the fire alarm going. Gavin, can you just do the lights for me? <clears throat> so welcome to to our service. As you London Edlison already said, it's such a special day, a day that Prodeo. And um, LCCT is getting together again. We actually had these conversations for quite a while. And then last year in November, one of our sound equipment cases, sorry, they're going to switch the alarm off soon, so just bear with it. I hope you can hear through all the noise. This, this teaches you to listen filtered, to cut the distractions of this world and to, to, listen, to hear the voice of God, right? But um, yeah, last year, a sound equipment case fell on my leg and... Um, This Sunday, I couldn't sing, and I couldn't preach, and Milo was like, Louis, let's do this thing. We're going to bring our whole church. We're going to do one combined service, and after the service, the only thing I heard was everyone said, this is what it's supposed to feel like, and um, today we are here, and we're starting a series called Better Together, because some things just go better together. Some paint colors just go better together, right? Some things work well when they're together. Actually, most things work well, like salt and pepper, peanut butter, and we don't call it jelly here, but like we're so used to peanut butter and jelly because of the movies. Some things just work well together. And during COVID, and COVID, I don't think any one of us thought at the beginning of last year that we're going to go through these multiple lockdowns and that there will be all these times of isolation. Suddenly, I've heard of companies giving up their office spaces because they're just like, we don't know when our people will be going back, so everyone is just working from home. So suddenly, the whole world changed, and one of the biggest changes the world has experienced was during strict lockdowns when people were isolated and alone. And if you're part of a big family, that's great because you still have people around you. I still had my wife, and I still had Yulandi. But my heart broke for old people who's retired, who might be on their own. My heart broke for young people who's living on their own in a flat, and they've got no one, and they can't see anyone. And suddenly, we realize how important communities, we realize how important it is to be with other people. So who's excited to be with other people again today? We're sitting a bit spaced out. We've got an overflow room at the back because we're only allowed a certain number of people in one room, but I think we are all excited to be back. But here's the interesting thing. Although we are excited to be with other people again, and although it's Valentine's Day, some people love Valentine's Day, other people hate Valentine's Day, what's interesting to me is that being with people can bring the best out of you because we're better together, but being with people can also bring the worst out of you, right? And that's why some people are like, yes, Valentine's Day, I can write a beautiful card and send someone a box of chocolate, and someone else is just like, I hate Valentine's Day, I've got no one, it sucks. Or the person broke my heart. The reality is relationships are complicated, community is complicated. And it's easy to think when we've been through a tough relationship, or when I've been hurt in church, or when a friend hurt me, it's easy for me to think that I might be better on my own. It might be better for me to not have relationships and not have people in my life or to only allow them into my life very superficially. It's so easy to think that, but still, we search for meaningful relations every single day. Social media exploded. It's not super old, guys. We haven't had social media since we were youngsters. Some of you might have had, but I'm not super old. And guess what? Smartphones didn't even exist when I was a student. We still search for meaningful relationships even though we feel we might be better on our own, even though we wonder if it's worth getting hurt again. And I believe we continue searching for relationships every single day, whether that's on an app that you swipe left and right, (laughs) searching for love, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram. We search for relationships because we were made for relationships. And that is our first topic in this series. You will have to help me in the back to to move my slides. I see mine won't move them. We were made for relationships. In 1937, so that's a long time ago, at the University of Harvard, they decided to do a study. Some of you might have heard the story. I think it's amazing. They did this study where they tracked 300 young men from their sophomore year. So the year that they first went to varsity, guess for how long? Their entire lives. The study lasted 70 years, and the goal of the study, tracking 300 young men, all Harvard students, so these guys would become lawyers and doctors and professors and pastors, and th- these would become like high society kind of people that you would think they have the good life figured out. And the purpose of this study, the grand study, was to determine, to define the good life say what is the good life? And from sophomores, they track these students for 70 years through the Second World War, through their careers, marriages, children, divorces, parenting, grandparenting, sickness, retirement, old age, death. And then finally, they asked a man named George Valiant that directed the study, not for the whole period, but only for 40 years. They asked George Valiant, What have you learned from the grand study, men? So, if you look back at a study that lasted 70 years, that tracked 300 men that seemed like they have it all together, what did you learn? And he said this the only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people, not your position, not your power, not your money. Of the amount of friends on social media. The only thing that matters is your relationships to other people. And I want to include your relationships full stop. Because there's one relationship that's more important than people. And that's our relationship with our Creator. That is the most important things in life. But what's sad to me is I look around in South Africa, and I don't always see the good life. And you're like, yes, we because we've got crime and we've got poverty. I'm like, no, no, it's got nothing to do with crime and poverty. There's a deeper problem why we don't have the good life that George Valiant said we were supposed to have. And it's because there's a breakdown in relationships. Yulan and I celebrate the last year in lockdown, our 10-year wedding anniversary. I read a study, thank you, I read a study where they said... 40, what is it? 45.7%. 45.4% of marriages never reaches 10 years. Half of marriages. Divorce rate is climbing. In South Africa, they say that two-thirds, guys, this breaks my heart every time that I hear this in a talk on the radio or on a podcast, two-thirds of children in South Africa grow up with absent fathers. One of the most important relationships you can have in your life with your father, two-thirds of children doesn't have A present father in their lives. There's a breakdown of relationships and that's why we're not living the good life. It's got nothing to do with money or crime. By the way, if you go and read studies, crime and all those things have been directly linked to absent fathers. There's a breakdown in our relational fiber. And there's so many differences that we can look at, but I think one of the biggest problems why we struggle to have good relationships is the rise of radical individualism, where I'm only committed to myself. That's what the world tells me, right? That's what successful people tell me. Like you put in, I just read uh, by a famous South African that's now in the U.S., you all know who I'm talking about, the taskman. He just said, you put in 100 hours a week of work, And guess what? You will get more done than someone else who's working 40 hours a week. I'm like, yes, that's obvious. It's like, that's how you're successful. It's all about yourself. It's about self-sufficiency. It's about independence. It's about including other people in your life on a superficial level where I've got friends to go and hike table mountain with. I've got friends on social media. I've got friends that I invite for a bribe, but I don't open my life to them. I can do life on my own. And I think that's the problem. And COVID has revealed the weakness in the fact that we think we're self-sufficient because suddenly we realize we're not as strong, we're not as self-sufficient, we're not as in control as we thought we were. And what I want to do today is I want to go back to right at the beginning of the world, before you were even an idea, when God created the world. And I want you to see today that there's something about community and relationships built into us that we cannot get away from, even though you think But individualism and self-sufficiency is the goal of our life. So let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26 to 27. And I'm reading from the New International Version. God created everything. He created animals and plants. It wasn't one cell that suddenly exploded and boom, it was a perfect world. God created. And then we read this in verse 26. Let us, this is God speaking. I want you to, le- to look out for the small words in this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. That's how we started. That's our blueprint right there, our DNA. And then when we go on to Genesis 2, God created Adam. And this little man is walking around. he's He's got community with God. But he is feeling something is missing. And God looks at Adam, and God is like, something is missing. So in Genesis 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. You see, when we read these two parts of the beginning of humankind, we read first that every single one of us, no matter your skin color, no matter your language, the culture you grew up in, whether you're a boy or a girl, we all were created in the image of God. And what is so interesting is if you look carefully at the little words, what does God said? Let me make humankind in my image. No, that's not what He says. He says, let us make humankind in our image. Now, guys, this has has blown people's mind throughout the centuries, throughout the ages, because in Christianity, we believe in a triune God. So God is one, but God is three. One God, three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you might be like, Louis, that makes no sense. I know. It doesn't. People have used these weird examples to try and illustrate it to us, right? It's like an egg. There's the shallot, there's the white, and there's the yellow. It's one egg, but it's three parts. I'm like, really, do we have to explain God by using an egg? But if it helps us to understand it, maybe it helps. But I want us to quickly take out our cell phones, because not all of us are great mathematicians. So please take out your cell phone and open your calculator app. Because if you don't do that, you're definitely going to get this wrong. I'm going to give you a really complicated math equation that will help you understand the try and God a little better. And let's get the first picture on the screen. This is the first one you're going to put into the screen. One back, please. One plus one plus one equals what? Who, who was able to work that out without the calculator? I'm glad, guys. I really think we're running into a problem today We I can't do basic math without my calculator. I can't, I can't find my complex, the gates of my complex, without using my GPS. I'm like, come on. Cell phones are ruining us, right? So now you might be, Louis, if one plus one is three, that still doesn't make sense. How can God be one plus one plus one and he's three? But you see, the issue is when we think of God, we think of God in a specific way so we know there's something about this God that is more than one, but it doesn't make sense because my math is one plus one plus one equals three, so it doesn't make sense. And that's why other religions think we are crazy, but the Bible has a clear picture that God is one God but three persons, and all we need to do is we need to understand to understand something about the triune God. We need to understand that my mind cannot do the right kind of equation to figure God out. And if you're like, Lee, but I want to figure God out. No, you don't. Because if you could figure God out, that means that this amazing God that created the world is just as small as your understanding. I don't want to serve a God that's as small as my human understanding. I want to serve a God that's bigger. I want to serve a God that surpasses the natural. I want to serve a supernatural God. But I can still help you to understand this a little better. All we need to do is we need to look at this in a different way. So the next equation you need to put this into your phone is 1 times 1 times 1. It's actually the same symbols. They just like flip the plus, right? <laughs> On its side. Now what is 1, plus one, plus one times 1 times 1? One? 1. When I read this the first time, I was like, this helps me to... Understand slash not understand God a little better. But why am I showing you this? We serve a triune God. A God that is living in community with Himself. When God said, let us make mankind in our image, every single one of us carry the image of a triune God, of a God that lives in community with Himself. We carry that image inside of us. So when God says that we are made in His image, it means that deep inside of our DNA, we are programmed to need community. We cannot be without it, because God Himself, before we were created, before the universe that we know was started, God was not alone. God was not isolated. God was already in community, and you and I are created in in His image. So just as you were created to breathe air in order to live, just as you were created to eat food, to turn, to create energy for your body to function, so you were created. Your blueprint, your DNA is to live in community. You were made for relationships. But then in Genesis 2, we see because God created a communal being someone designed for relationships, someone needing community, someone needing relationships, we find that creation, even after God made Adam, that creation is incomplete without a suitable companion for him. He needs someone. And God was there, but he needed someone else that he could relate to and he's understanding because his one plus one plus one didn't work. So he's like, God, I need someone else who can understand this. And God is like, I'm going to make Eve. And the word there is God created him a helper. That is a word that's used throughout Scripture to speak of the complementary nature that exists between human relationships. Yes, we mess up and we fight and we hurt each other, but that's not the way God designed us. God designed us to live in harmony with each other, to help each other, to support each other. And even if you look at the great commandment of God, when God if, if you take everything that God said, everything we should do, and you condense it into one sentence, what would that sentence be? Love God, love your neighbor. The Old Testament says that. The New Testament said it. Jesus himself said it. So when God says, this is what you should do with your life, it's like it's simple. You love God, you love your neighbor, you were made for relationships, so live and flourish in Relationships. You were made for community. And the vertical, the vertical relationship would lay the foundation for our horizontal ones. You see, God first lived in community with Adam before he created Eve. And I think that's so important. An illustration I always used to explain this, and maybe you've seen it. I love to use this at weddings. is a triangle concept, right? God at the top. One person at the one corner and another person at the, at the other corner. And what's interesting about a triangle, the closer you get to God, what happens with the horizontal leg of a triangle? It gets smaller as well. But the further we move from God, what happens to the horizontal? It gets bigger. So God created this world so that our relationship with Him would, cre- would provide the foundation for our relationships with each other. Whether that's your husband, whether that's your wife, your fiancé, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children... Your church community, your work colleagues, God is supposed to be the foundation for all other relationships. God made the whole of creation to function as an arrow pointing to Him, even our relationships. And we said there's a problem, right, of individualism. The problem is that as we're pursuing individualism, that's a Western concept, We are literally choosing to go against the grain of God's design. I've heard so many people say, like, I can be a Christian and not be part of the church. You're going against the grain of God's design. I'm I'm fine on my own. I'm self-sufficient. I can do everything I want on my own. You're going against His grain. And the problem is we make two big big mistakes when it comes to our relationships with God and with each other. The first is to elevate myself to the most important position— that's individualism. So I'm just breaking down the way God created me to live. So I can't have effective relationships because I'm always going to be on the lookout for what's the best for me. And by the way, no relationship can work that way. But the second issue that I see is that we settle, we, we treat people as more important than God. So we exchange the created for the creator you might be like, no one does that. Guys, in the 21st century, parents that actually do take care of their children, often the middle, the middle point of everything in the world is their children. Life revolves around their children. And that becomes the most important relationship to them. You might be so in love, it's Valentine's Day. And you could elevate someone that you love to the most important place in your life. But every time you do that, you exchange the place that the Creator should have in your life for the Creator. And that means that you settle for the partial satisfaction that you can gain out of a human relationship instead of the full satisfaction that you can gain out of God, out of a relationship with Him. Both are important, but the order needs to be correct. If we don't have God at the top, the relationships that He intended us to have, that He would have enabled us to have, is just going to break down. We are better together. There's a saying that you might have heard. They always say, what an unknown African proverb. It takes a village to raise a child, right? And I think that is so true, and I think it is so relevant. Because there are some things in life that we cannot learn on our own. By the way, there's been numerous studies done of children, especially after the Chernobyl um, nuclear explosion, children, so many children were left without parents. And there, for the first time, in a really big way, they noticed, uh, what do they call it, um, failure to thrive syndrome. And a friend of mine have visited now, even after years, some of those orphanages where kids would just be sitting in a little bundle, holding onto their legs and rocking themselves. They couldn't flourish. They couldn't reach the potential because there wasn't healthy interaction, community, relationships that God created us to have. But even in a world like this, even if you're in a healthy family, you can only develop your full potential if you learn from other people and if you live in relationship with them. Your full potential can only be achieved in relationships. Think about it. You, You can only learn forgiveness in relationships. You can only learn loyalty in relationships. Listen, if you like, but Louie, I can be loyal to myself. No, that's just selfishness. That's not loyalty. You can only learn love in relationships. You can only learn kindness and faithfulness and graciousness and unselfishness when you're with other people. Because my daughter is about, what, two years and, and three months, and she's an extrovert. Like, she just wants to be with people. But she's not in a play school, and because my wife is pregnant, we've been really not spending a lot of time with other people. We're trying to keep her safe. And yesterday, an old school friend of Yolanda came over, and she's got a little boy about the age of Abigail. And Abigail, initially, when he arrived, she was like sharing toys and showing him everything. But she's got a couple of things, and one is Barbie. And when he touched that, she was like, no, 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 mine. And I'm like, Abby, what are you doing? And we're angry because she's a little selfish, but you cannot learn to, be, to not be selfish unless you learn it in relation to other people. And a lot has been taught about this. A lot has been written about it that you can only, your leadership will only grow as far as you're willing to work with other people to hand stuff over to other people. And I'm saying this as a person who in school hated doing group work because I always end up doing it myself. And now I'm in a place where I don't want to be on my own. I don't want to work on my own because you will always be the bottleneck. You will always be the cork in any organization that limits the potential unless you hand over to other people. We are better when we're together. We, we go way beyond what we could achieve. We learn things we would have never learned on our own, but we need to be with other people. We are better together. We were made for this. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, Louis, my work culture is unhealthy. I don't have someone in my life. I might, may, might be single or Louis, I'm divorced and, and my, my heart is broken and I don't even know how to start. Where do we start? Where do we find healthy community and healthy relationships? Remember, we need two directions of relationships. We need a vertical one with God with the Creator of the world, with our Savior, and we need a horizontal one with other people. And the best place, I believe, to find those kind of relationships is in the family of God, in the body of Christ, in the church. And I know what some of you might immediately be thinking. You're like, Louis, listen, I've been hurt by the church. There's so many people that tell me this all the time. One, it's a very convenient excuse. But two, you haven't been hurt by the church. You were hurt by someone in the church. And guess what? You will be hurt by your husband. You will be hurt by your wife. I will be hurt by Milo. I will be hurt by every one of you. And you will be hurt by me sometimes because we're human. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We do stupid things. You know how many times I've hurt you, Lundy, over the last 10 years? And every time I hate myself for it. But I'm not perfect. And she's hurt me. Because we're not perfect. But in the family, what do we do? We forgive each other, we move on, we stick together. And that's why I believe that the church is such a great place for community. Because here we are intentional about not putting myself first. Here I'm intentional about building a relationship with Jesus and with other people. Here I'm intentional about forgiving as Jesus forgave me. So the church is a good place. And it's not just me saying that, because. and you might be like, you're biased, dude. You grew up in church. Your dad was a pastor. You're biased. I'm like, no, the Bible says this in Ephesians 4 verse 16. New Living Translation. It says this, God, He makes the whole body fit together. What's that word? Say it with me. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. You see, God dev- designed not only you as an individual to live in community, to live in relationships with other people, but God was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna design a vessel so that it's easy for people to find things in to community, to find com- to find healthy relationships, and that vessel is called the church." You know that the Greek word ekklesia doesn't mean a building or an hour on a Sunday. It means a meeting, a gathering of people, people who gather together for a specific reason. So literally every time you say the word church, you say, we that are gathered together to worship God. That's the church. Even the name says it. But God says, I make this so that it would function so perfectly together that everything would fit together and read what it says so that the other parts may grow. We are better together. You cannot grow on your own the way you would grow with in healthy relationships. We were made for this. Emma, will you jump on the keys for me? Years ago, Mother Teresa, someone who spent her whole life working in In poverty and all kinds of crazy things. She was asked by an interviewer, What's the biggest problem in the world today? What would you say today if I asked you, What is the biggest problem in the world? Maybe you would say, It's definitely COVID 19, come on, dude. It's this version two, it's a strain that we have in South Africa that seems to be immune against our vaccines. Like, what's wrong with you? Some of you might say, No, Louis, it's AIDS. It's been a problem for years. No, no, it's poverty. No, no, it's crime. No, it's corruption. We can pick all these things out. And guess what? Mother Teresa was working in places where there were so many things wrong. How can you pick one? But this is what she said She replied and she said, The biggest problem in our world today is that we draw the circle of our family too small. We build walls. We try to protect ourselves, we try to cut out people. She said, the biggest problem in the world is that we draw the circle of our family too small. We need to draw it larger every day. Society breaks down when families break down. Society breaks down when churches break down. Just like this is what's the most important. We need to draw our circle bigger. I want to tell you, if you've been feeling like maybe I should just become a hermit, I've been good at this for the past lockdowns. I'm just going to stay in this. You're like, I won't return to church. I'm just good on my own. You cannot grow. You cannot live this life on your own. You need to draw your circle bigger. it's uncomfortable. We've got amazing value at Prodio Church. I'm going to teach this to all of you. You're going to be reciting this in your sleep soon. We say this, "This discomfort is our comfort. What? Yes, because you don't grow in your comfort zone. You don't grow when everything is easy. You don't grow when you just speak to people that you know. You grow when you're in your, outside of your comfort zone. So you need to leave your comfort zone, draw your circle bigger, include people in your life that will help you grow. The church is the body of Christ. You need to open your life to the hurt that love, love brings with it, because just as much as it can hurt, it can also bless but you need to draw it larger every day. And that is why Pro Deo and LCCT is here today. And you're like, yes, because you're two churches. It's easy for you to be here. No, it's not. Do you know why there's so many different denominations and churches? Because churches love to fight. And churches love to think about how they can build up their own little kingdoms instead of the capital C church, the kingdom of God. But the church planter sitting in front of me and this church planter, we've learned long ago that God's kingdom is bigger than our little kingdoms, is bigger than our work. And we have decided to draw our circle bigger. So instead of trying to keep what we have, we're like, let's give it away and see it flourish some more. So that's why we are here today, because we believe that Prodio Church and Lighthouse Church Cape Town, LCCT is better together. We're drawing our circle bigger so that we can have more growth, so that we can see more of God's blessing in this church. And I want to challenge you today to draw your circle bigger as well. If you're watching online and you haven't stepped foot in a church because you're still afraid, get out of your comfort zone and draw your circle bigger. You need this. If this is your first time here and you're still figuring out if I'm going to come back next week, I'm like, step out of your comfort zone and make a decision that I am going to be here for at least six weeks before I make another decision. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to draw my circle bigger. And I'm going to see how God blesses me through the relationships that He created me to be in. Make your circle bigger. That's a good starting point. Come back next Sunday. Join a serving team. Because when we serve together, we grow together. The band is like my family. Basically, all the volunteers are like my family. Join a community group, a group. Because that's where we challenge each other and grow. That's where we sometimes bump shoulders and then we sort it out and we learn to love each other. So join it. But let's make the circle bigger. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. that you created us to live in community. I look back at two lockdowns, and I just realized I was not made to be isolated and alone. I was created in the image of a perfect God, a God who lives in community with himself. And you created us to be in community with you and in community with each other. And I pray, God, that you would bless our relationships. On this Valentine's Day, I want to pray for every marriage that's represented here. I pray, God, where there's issues in those marriages, I pray that you would give them the ability to forgive as you have forgiven them. I pray that you would give them the wisdom to stop seeking their own interests and to put the other above themselves. I pray for relationships with children today, God. I pray that wherever there might be a wedge that the devil has driven between parents and children, that you would remove that wedge. I pray for these two churches. That we would flourish in the circle that we've drawn bigger. May our relationships point other people to Jesus. We pray it in your name alone. Amen.